Welcome to the Free Life Agents Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a lifestyle they never need a vacation from. Here's your host, Kobe Zen. Hey guys, welcome back to the Free Life Agents Podcast. Um, once again, today we have a, a very special guest who's another uh, another great friend of mine, I can say, uh, you know, very proudly, um, this man has come through, um, faced a lot of difficulties and has persevered through um, in a way that, um, you know, a lot of people haven't uh, really seen in this world. And I'm um, extremely grateful that he is my friend. He is also uh, in the real estate space. He's been a real estate agent in the past. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what his journey looks like in real estate going on uh, into the future now. But Without further ado, welcome my guest, Cornelius Camp. Welcome to the show, Cornelius. Thank you so much, Kobe. I appreciate you having me on and, um, you know, being one of the first guests to this wonderful podcast that you are launching. So I'm happy. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, thank you, Cornelius. I know you're super busy. Um, you know, you got a, a full-time job right now. So um, you taking the time out of this to, to do this. Uh, with us here is, um, you know, I'm super grateful for uh, for your time as well. So um, for those people that um, don't know you or aren't familiar with uh, your story, because I know you, you do have, you know, quite a bit of, um, you know, a little bit of following on, on the internet, on social media as well. You've done a couple of different podcasts in the past, but for those people that um, don't know who you are, your background, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself, you know, how you would and uh, telling us a little bit more about you and your journey and, um, you know, what you did in, in real estate? Sure, sure. Not a problem. Um, I am originally from Covington, Georgia, which is about maybe 20 to 25 minutes east of Atlanta. Um, I just go ahead and skip forward, you know, until uh, into my college years. I uh, ended up going to Coastal Carolina my first two years, um, and then I transferred to the University of South Carolina, where I actually ended up graduating with a bachelor's degree in sports management. And then I moved back to Atlanta and just talking with my old high school counselor who actually, she was my kindergarten teacher. And then I believe my first grade teacher. And then I had her again for eighth grade. And then she was my high school counselor and now she's my mentor. So she's been in my life pretty much wow. <laughs> from the get go. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, but uh, just talking with her and she kind of, convinced me to go into counseling because I've always wanted to be in education. I just didn't want to be in a classroom. So um, fast forward, I ended up going to getting accepted into grad school at DePaul University in Chicago. I moved there in 2006 and uh, got my graduate degree to become a school counselor in 2009. Around 2012, 13, I started thinking and my girlfriend and now my uh, wife, we started talking and thinking like, okay, this might be a good time to go ahead and, uh, you know, purchase some uh, uh, our property because been renting the whole entire time and everything. So we started looking, this was my first experience uh, buying a property. And so the whole experience was new to me, even uh, doing rentals or even looking for a place to rent. You know, I never have went out with an agent and gone to showings and, you know, didn't know exactly what to look for, the whole process, financing, getting the loan, all of that stuff. 
And so we ended up, I ended up buying a condo. And uh, when I closed, I started thinking to myself, like, hmm, I was like, this, this was kind of an interesting uh, process um, that I had never been through. I said, this might be something that I'm, I can get into. I've always been someone that actually will have like two, three jobs. You know, I have my main job and then I have uh, two or three side hustles or whatever. And so I was actually at that time looking for a side hustle. And I was like, hmm, maybe I'll do real estate. So ended up taking my classes, uh, passed the test and became a real estate agent in 2015. Uh, 2015, I also got married in 2015. And so that was kind of funny. I was actually in, we, were, uh, we got married in Puerto Rico. We were in Puerto Rico and I did my first deal. <laughs> <laughs> down in Puerto Rico <laughs> so that was kind of wow. funny yeah right <laughs> so that was pretty cool there and I was like oh yeah really I can dig this yeah um so yeah ended up practicing real estate and I uh, started out with Century 21 because the uh uh the um sales person for Century 21 he was the one that actually taught my real estate class so started out with them but that didn't work out. So I went to a company called Exit Realty uh, or Exit Strategy Realty. And uh, I stayed there for about a year, a year and a half maybe. Met a great guy, uh, Danny Lewis. I ended up joining his team uh, for the duration of my um, real estate career in Chicago. Uh, but I didn't stay with Exit Strategy. I ended up going to Fulton Grace after a year and a half and that's where I'm currently at right now, or that's where I stayed uh, in Chicago with Fulton Grace Realty. They're an amazing company. And the reason why I ended up going to them and staying with them because I realized that they had a lot of the things that helped me be a successful agent and actually helped my business you know, go to the next level. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at right, well, no, let's, let's stop. Last July, I accepted a school counselor position in a high school. That's always been my full-time job. I've always been a counselor since 2009 when I graduated. Um, but I accepted a position at uh, Newton High School down here in Georgia. And so me, my wife, my son, we're going to move down here. I'm already down here. My son and wife are in Chicago still. We're waiting on our house to be built. And so I don't want to move them until the house is built and then we can just all settle in. So hopefully that'll be done pretty soon. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's quite a journey, uh, Cornelius. And really for um, for a lot of people listening, um, I'm sure they can uh, learn a lot from, you know, your current your current journey and uh, what you went through in terms of, uh, you know, being a, a real estate agent uh, part-time as a side hustle as well. So. Right. You know, one of the things that I really got from from that uh, was that you were um, working with a lot of people who essentially thought, you know, in your opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but they were your mentors, right? Whether if it's, you know, your journey through, you know, being in school and becoming a counselor or even in real estate, um, all of those um, people that you mentioned or as well, you always um, seeked out a mentor. So for, for those people listening, whether if they're doing it part-time or they're a newer agent or even if they've been in real estate for a little while, um, you know, would you mind just kind of elaborating on your experience working with mentors, why and why you sought out mentors and why they are so important, essentially, in terms of not just in the real estate business, but obviously in your experience as well with other industries and, and you know, other specialties as well. Sure. 
Um, I'm a, I'm the type of person to where I firmly believe that you cannot uh, make it through this life and you cannot be successful without a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance. Um, I'm not one to, um, you know, want to go through things and I, I like getting experience. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but if I can get the experience and also have someone to kind of guide me and say, hey, look out for this or, you know, this is how it's done or whatever. It makes a world of difference for me. Um, and that's that's just the way that I function. My wife is totally opposite. She would just rather go through stuff herself. She doesn't ask for help or anything. And she just rather take her losses as learning, as learning experiences. Um, so like I said, for me, and also dealing in real estate, I feel like everyone should come in and whatever brokerage you're at, you should look for you know a, a, a number one broker in that brokerage and try to, you know, uh, maybe shadow that person, um, you know, do some things for that person, the, the minuscule stuff, like make phone calls, do an open house, um, go on a couple of showings, you know, shadow them so you can see what it's like to talk to the buyers, what it's like to talk and sell a listing or something like that. What it's like to do at an open house. How do you need to set it up? How do you market the open house? Just things like that, that you can actually, if you have a mentor, you can see what they're doing and it makes it a lot more easy. You still learning in the process and you still may have some, you know, ups and downs and, and so forth. But for me, it just makes it a lot easier. And I can actually tell because when I was at Century 21, when I first started, I really didn't have a mentor. I wasn't part of a team or anything like that. But when I moved down to Exit Strategy, and I met Danny Lewis and became a part of his team. He Im immediately got me into, you know, doing open houses, going on showings for him, taking his clients, you know, out for showings when he was out of town, uh, doing co-listing opportunities. Okay, so you might not get, um, you might not get a full commission. Let's say you go into co-listing, but you get that experience, and that experience to me comes a lot quicker. If you have a mentor or somebody that, you know, is willing to kind of like, hey, you know, I only do uh, listings that are or buyers that are three hundred and fifty thousand. So if he gets someone that's two hundred and fifty thousand, he might just slide it on to you, and that's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you really can't beat a free lead for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So I'm big on mentorship. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, like I said, I just feel like you just can't be successful without having someone show you the ropes. Exactly. And I, I, I would have to agree with that. So when in terms to, you know, when it comes to, you know, finding mentors, I'm actually, I don't know if you're the same way, but I'm, I'm actually pretty picky when it comes to finding mentors. Mm -hmm. um, is that, is that something that, that you're always, you know, you're also picky about, or are you kind of just looking for people and uh, learn from, you know, a more of a qual a quantity of mentors than, than like a specific few mentors that you want to learn from? I think when I first started, it was more about the quantity. And now it's more about the quality. Like I'm real, you know, kind of picky. Uh, my circle of friends has gotten smaller, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's only a few certain people that I would consider a friend, a mentor, things like that. And so I really look for people you know, that's gonna help me improve myself, not only as business standpoint, but possibly as a personal standpoint. 
you know, they're going to tell me to teach me about, you know, how to do business within, you know, uh, 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 integrity and how to do business the correct way and, you know, not taking this specific deal in real estate because, you know, if you're telling the person, the client, that this house is going to sell for a certain amount of money and because they're invested, you know, however much in it, they want to sell it for this amount and you know it's not going to sell for that amount, you don't necessarily have to take that versus, you know, if I had not had that guidance of something like that, then I, you know, I probably would have taken it or something. So I'm real picky as far as that. And I'm not afraid, like if I have a mentor and he's helping me grow, I'm learning from him and so forth. And it comes to a point to where like, I'm not learning anything else from, I really have no problem, like kind of leaving and, and going to, another brokerage or finding another mentor. I'm a firm believer that people are in your life for a particular reason and for a particular season. And when that season is up, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, love and it. Nothing, nothing, nothing against them, you know, we can still stay in touch, but from that standpoint, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's something really important that people don't, um, don't really think about. Like you said, you know, not just people are in your life, not just for a specific reason, but also for a specific season as well. So when it, when it's time to, um, when it's time to essentially move on and grow out of it, find new mentors. Um, I think it's really important to actually, you know, not necessarily like not necessarily just drop them, but like you said, you know, move on and find a new mentor, uh, as well. So that's part of, um, that's a part of growth, right? Is that exactly, exactly. yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, something that I really wanted to touch on as well, uh, when it comes to kind of your journey and experience in real estate is kind of being a, being a part-time real estate agent, right? Because you said your full-time job is, you know, and that's where your passion is as well as being a, a school counselor. And uh, right. we're going to get into that a, a little bit more in a second, because I really want to kind of dig, dig more into that story. But, um, you know, being a, being a real estate agent part-time and, and seeing it as a high side hustle, because a lot of new agents start out part-time. So what are some advice that you can give them in terms of, you know, how to juggle the two, um, how to actually take experience from one and apply it uh, to the other as well? Um, so the biggest key is if you're going to do part-time and have a full-time job and everything like that, the biggest key is time management, like trying to sit down and figure out, okay, if I'm on my full-time job, can I make a call? at lunchtime. You know, if you have a 15 minute break, can you do something in that 15 minute break? And then, you know, don't be afraid to tell like your clients, whether they're your buyers or whether they're your listing, uh, your list or your sellers, don't be afraid to tell them that you can't do a showing until after 4.35 or whenever you get off work. Um, you know, and that's just the way that it is. You're going to do two, three, four showings, but it's going to have to be after five. Some people that doesn't fly well with, um, and I've, I've lost some people, you know, because of that particular incident. incident. Um, but other people, you know, they'll respect that you, you know, have been, uh, you're being honest with them. And then they'll notice also that the times that you do have, whether it be, it might be part-time, you know, you're at your 100%. You know, you're digging all in, you're, you're taking three and four showings a night, you're doing two open houses each weekend, you know, so they see stuff like that. So some people accept it and they're good with it, 
Um, and then some people, you know, they want a full-time agent and that's totally understandable. I get it. Um, my advice is that I'm glad I did it full-time. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm glad I did it part-time because uh, the first year is really rough. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I know people that made 10,000 in commission <laughs> and I know people that made 100,000 in commission. And it really depends on you and, you know, maybe the connections that you might have. Some people can come in and not, this is not to say that, oh, the leads were handed to them, but they might've had someone to uh, look at all, already before they got their license. Like for instance, their father or their uncle might've been in real estate and they had him to shadow. So they went in and they understood what was going on they already had a social media presence. You know, they're a, a, a person that has a lot of connections. So you doing something like that, that person can come in full time and probably fl uh, flourish. But someone that's just, you know, they don't have, I didn't have any social media before I got real estate, none at all. Yeah. Um, doing something like that, or maybe not having a, a significant amount of savings, something that you can fall back on if you have a bad month or something like that, that I couldn't do anything like that. So that's why I had the full-time job so that I can still continue to pay my bills can still uh, continue to provide for my family. But then, you know, the plan is maybe get a, uh, become full-time in real estate, but then you have to battle. Okay. Do you want to do full-time or do you want to do your passion? And, you know, my passion is, is school counseling. I can't let it go. Um, I like working with kids. And so for me right now, being a full-time agent, it just, you know, it's not the right time for me. Maybe later on, but right now it's not the full time. I mean, it's not the right time. So, yeah. Yeah, and you definitely, yeah. don't don't get me wrong. I actually did a video on my YouTube uh, channel about this. You definitely can be successful as a part-time agent. You just have to put in a lot of work. And like I said, time management is really, really key. Like you gotta really use up every single second of free time that you have, you know, and you know, have your, your uh, relaxation, workout, exercise, go on date nights and so forth. But if you're not doing any of that, you know, working, advertising, marketing, doing open houses, doing showings or whatever it is, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that is that just something that um, that you've always kind of gravitated towards in terms of, you know, like you were saying earlier as well, when it comes to, you know, you always want to have a side hustle, right? When it comes to not just your doing your full time job, that's your actual, you know, your actual passion, but um, also having a side hustle and, you know, filling up those time gaps with doing something productive. Is that is that just something that you've always kind of gravitated towards or um uh, or is that kind of more like out of necessity or, or how, how has that, you know, kind of come about? I've just gravitated uh, towards it. Um, I remember when I got hurt and I lost my uh, track scholarship. So I was just quote unquote regular student. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, if I don't have my scholarship going because I got hurt, then I got to find some kind of way to pay for this education. And so I ended up getting three jobs you know, while I was in school and uh, graduated and I came back down to Georgia and ended up working in the sports management field. 
And again, I just had another job. Like I just, I don't know, it just gravitated. It's like you do your full-time job, eight to five or nine to five, whatever it is. And then it's like, okay, you exercise, but then you kind of just find yourself watching TV and you're like, okay, this is kind of boring. Nothing's on TV. I'm tired of playing video games. And so you just kind of end up trying to do something that, you know, that you like, but it also brings in a second source of income. And I don't know, it's just something that I've always enjoyed doing. Like, you know, I don't, I like relaxing, don't get me wrong, but you know, if I can have a, a personal training job, which what I was doing when I was in grad school or, you know, like real estate or real estate investing, instead of that and, and adding that onto my full-time job, it's just something, I don't know. I've always been like that, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really good, um, a, a good trait to have when it comes to, you know, a lot of successful people They have different hobbies, but they're not, they're not wasted hobbies, right? They're actually, they're actually very productive, right? So a lot of people who are successful, you know, they like to play golf or, you know, they like to pick up a, you know, like a physical exercise as well. So stuff like that, I think people need to kind of think about because you have your job, right? Some people are full-time, you know, run a business or real estate. Some people are doing it you know, part-time, but you have your job uh, and then you have some downtime as well. Like how to fill that and how to fill right. that with something productive versus right. kind of wasting your life away. Cause you only yeah. got, you only have one life. We don't have a second right. chance at it. So we want right. to make sure we're doing something, something really meaningful. Yeah. And um, something else that you kind of, you kind of touched on a little bit earlier in our, in our conversation that I, <laughs> I was really, really interested, uh, really interested in exploring more on is that you said that uh, you didn't even have social media you know, before you, you got into real estate and now, um, you know, you have, you know, essentially you have quite a pretty big, you know, social media following. You're on a really successful, uh, real, uh, real estate agents, Facebook group, and you have a, a really good following, uh, on YouTube as well. So kind of, um, you know, how did you kind of transition from, you know, being a complete hermit, you know, on, not on <laughs> social media at all to, you know, now actually being, you know, almost like, a, a, you know, an influential person, almost an influencer uh, on social media when it comes to the real estate space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I mentioned, I did not have any social media. I, let, let me change that. I had LinkedIn because that's, you know, the professional network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had LinkedIn. But other than that, I didn't have any social media. I just, it wasn't my thing. Uh, I didn't see any purpose in it, you know, none of that stuff. And then the uh, weekend that I got my license and I passed my test, my wife, who is a uh, digital marketing specialist, she's an influencer, things like that. She opened up every single social media platform and opened up an account for me. She was yeah. like, oh, you're gonna need this. You're gonna need this for your business. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I really didn't believe her. I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this, this social media crap. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I just had the whole just negative, you know, attitude about it. And like I said, she opened it up for me and she started showing me how to use the different platforms and how to make posts. And, you know, she introduced me to uh, Canvas or Canva, the website. So I started learning how to do posts on there and so forth. And, um, you know, it's just eventually I started out with Facebook. She helped me grow my followers on there. Then I went to um, Instagram. She actually helped me grow my followers on there. And then um, uh, I think that's pretty much about it. I don't really do Twitter that much. I don't have a TikTok account, but it's mostly just <laughs> mostly Facebook, LinkedIn, 
and um, uh, Instagram. Yeah, those are the the main and, and Pinterest. I, and Pinterest, mm -hmm. I do uh, do Pinterest quite a bit on there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so is that has that been like a, a change in mindset as well, where you kind of like are now realizing more like the power of or influence of social media? Yes, yes, it has been a very, definitely a, a mindset uh, shift. Um, I, not only do I know the power of social media as far as your business, but the thing I found that was I enjoyed about it is that I connected with friends that I went to high school with, you know, people that I haven't seen in 15, 20 years and to reach out to them, to connect with them, to say, hey, oh my God, we're in the same fraternity, you know, or, you know, hey, do you remember how we used to do this in high school? And, you know, it's just keeping up with people, connecting with old family members, um, connecting with, you know, with people like you, <laughs> other influencers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just people that you just would not ever meet that's like you in Texas or um, I met a couple of uh, people that are in uh, Denver, uh, Denver, Colorado. You know, um, my wife has met, um, she met somebody that was over in uh, Spain, I think, or something like that. Oh. So, I mean, you know, just being able to just network and meet people, meet interesting people, see interesting posts, see uplifting posts and things like that. So I've gotten to like it a little bit more. I'm still not, you know, like she is because that's her thing. That's her job. Um, but yeah, I do like it a little bit more. And I understand also the power that uh, you can uh, uh, market your business for and it really help your business grow because it allows you to reach people that you would never, you know, you would never reach, you would never get into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, in the beginning, uh, why you like, you know, you began to like social media is, you know, actually connect, connecting with old friends or, or family members as well, because um, uh, that's that's really I, I don't know if people know this but that's like the purpose of social media right that was the reason why I first got started uh, in the yeah. first place when you know in that in that dorm room over in Harvard right Mark Zuckerberg right. <laughs> so um, and uh, people kind of you know nowadays have turned social media into something that it's it's um it's almost not healthy anymore right. depending on the way that you use it so when it comes to you know using social media now for you do you have a very strict kind of, you know, no engagement or do you have something where, you know, you're only using it for intentional purposes instead of, you know, having it, you know, let it take over your life as well. And how can people kind of, kind of balance that? Cause there's a, there's a really great power to social media, but there's also, um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of bad things yeah, happening darkness. on there as well. Yeah. yeah. A lot of darkness. You're yeah, right. A lot of darkness. Um, yeah. I, I'm very, very particular about uh, using social media. Um, you know, I try not to, or not try not. I don't let myself get sucked into being on there and just scrolling, scrolling through stuff, you know, for more than, I don't even know if I go more than 10 minutes to be perfectly honest with you. Um, just because like you said, you know, you see a lot of positive stuff. And that's another thing that I did learn is that, um, you know, for me, in the beginning, I was following pretty much everyone that was in real estate because, you know, you want to connect with real estate agents. And I started also learning that a lot of real estate agents were not using social media for their real estate business. And so you end up, you know, seeing a lot of dark stuff, <laughs> you know, coming from the real estate agents, unfortunately, or, you know, because you follow this real estate agent and 
they might have looked at, I don't know, whatever, then you end up getting what they looked at and you have no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's right. just yep, the it's algorithm. crazy algorithm and everything. Um, so yeah, I'm real particular about it. I go in there, you know, I do my business and everything and I do scroll and try to keep up with my family, my cousins, you know, again, friends from school or whatever, try to keep up with them, see what's going on in their life. I'll comment. If I do a post and someone comments, I try to make sure that I reply to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. I try to post everything positive. I don't do too much of my personal life that much, uh, at least really, really personal stuff like um, uh, a health issue. You know, I didn't post that much about that that I went through. Um, I flood with my son. I'm so in love with my son. It's just ridiculous. So my son and my wife, I do a lot of posts about them. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I'll go engage. I love sports. So I do something, you know, sports related. And I try to be always positive. You know, if I come across a quote or a meme or a picture, you know, on um, the internet or through my phone or whatever it is, um, you know, if, if, it's, if I see it as something value, valuable, I go ahead and share it as well. So yeah, I just try to be positive about it. You know, I don't, you know, talk any trash. I definitely don't stay away from the politics, um, you know, cause it's just, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. And that's, that's the right way to use social media because yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. So I think you're, you're using it the right way, but I mean, like for, for realtors, I mean, it, I don't know everybody has a different opinion on this. Some people think it's a, uh, you know, they have a very strong opinion on one side, uh, very few have a, a stronger opinion on the other side, but is it a necessity in your opinion when it comes to running a business like in 2022 and going forward? Is social media a necessity or, or more of a luxury? Necessity. Necessity, yeah. yeah. I do think there are certain businesses um, that you do or certain careers rather that you are, uh, that will rely on social media heavily. Like if you're in real estate, yeah, you need social media. A school counselor like myself also, I don't really need social media. You know, I, I need social media more to keep up with the kids so I can understand them and what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> you know, the little slang term that they use and they're like, what? And then you go on social media, you find out what it means and stuff. And so you can hear the conversations in the hallway. Oh, wait a minute, come, let's go, come on, come on with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? So stuff like that, I think, yeah, it's going to be uh, a necessity. It just depends on the career. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have a friend of mine who is a mechanic. I'm sorry. He's a computer engineer. And the only social media account that he has is on LinkedIn. You know, and very successful. He just, he like I, how I was before I got my real estate license. Just really didn't see much of a purpose for it. Um, like I said, he does LinkedIn and that's really about it. You know, I have several friends who are like that. And then I also have other friends who are school counselors or deans or they work in education and they just, they love Facebook. So they post about everything, all of their, you know, lives or they do quotes, all the kind of stuff. So yeah, moving forward, I think certain careers, yeah, it's going to rely heavily on social media, heavily. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the point where it's like you, you're using it intentionally versus letting it take over your life where, you know, certain careers, you know, or like running a, running a business or being an entrepreneur, um, you need social media to go out there and uh, create influence, attention to yourself, marketing. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, you're just working a job and you enjoy it, right. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need to be on there in terms of 
you know, just letting it consume your life, right? Like, right. again, like what you said, you know, do something productive with your time instead of scrolling yeah. through social media for an mm-hmm. hour on ends. And uh, people will be very surprised at how much time they have uh, in their lives. So they just remove two things, right? We hear about it. We hear about it all the time. Two things. One is the television and the other is social media scroll time. So yeah. uh, you'd be surprised how much time you actually get back. And everybody complains about not having enough, uh, not having enough time, but no, it's just not, yeah. they're just not, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day, right? Yeah. And, and it just depends on how you use that time that uh, comes down to whether or not you're, you're productive with it. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, so something else that, um, and you, you, you can let me know where, you know, you're not really comfortable talking about this right now, or, um, you know, and we can kind of just skip this part or however much you want to, you want to dig into it, but something you mentioned uh, briefly, and I, I have a, you know, I have a little bit more understanding than you know, about is, you know, some health issues that you went through um, as well. And that is, um, you know, a journey that I've also heard you talk a little bit more about uh, on, on separate podcasts as well. So if you, if you just, you know, don't mind or however much, you know, you feel personally that you, you're willing to share, um, kind of go through that, uh, you know, that journey and uh, whatever you're comfortable sharing, because um, I do think uh, it can be inspiring to a lot of people. I do think um, uh, a lot of lessons uh, can be learned as well for, for our audience here. So just, you know, whatever, however much you want to share, however, you know, comfortable you are with it. Sure. Um, I don't have a problem sharing it at all because I'm a very spiritual person. And so when this health scare first came about, I told God that if he got me through this, then I was going to make sure that every chance that I got, I would, you know, give a testimony for somebody that out there that may be going through something else. And, you know, everything's going to be okay. You can still do, you know, live your life or whatever. You just, you know, you may have some time and stuff like that where you may need to take a little bit more of a breather, but you'll get through it. So, you know, that's my thing to try to talk about it and inspire people. So basically what happened, is that my son was born in 2018, uh, actually April, so he's almost four. And um, I guess like around July or August, I started getting a little bit of a headache, not much of a concern. I thought it was because of stress. I'm a new parent. I'm not getting any sleep. You know, I thought I'm not exercising, which is I'm a humongous advocate of that. You know, I just love to exercise. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't eating right. So I thought it was just all that mixed in together. And um, the the year went on, 2018 went on, and the headaches started getting a tad bit worse. But again, me being hard-headed, just not really paying it attention, thought the same thing that I thought, you know, back in August or July when it first started. And um, the school I was at, we often do a uh, turkey drive. And as I was helping with the turkeys, they're extremely heavy, they're frozen turkeys. As I was straining, I started to realize like, oh my God, this really, really hurts when I strain. And so that's when I got worried, went to the doctor, I told her about it and everything. She told me to try to monitor it. And I think two or three weeks later, I went back and I was like, this is, yeah, I'm monitoring, I'm still having the same headache, blah, blah, blah. Ended up taking the MRI. Um, She looked at it. And she said that she sees something, but didn't know exactly what it was. So went to a neurologist. 
he looked at the MRIs. Headaches are still getting worse. He doesn't know what it was, but he did say that um, my brain was getting pushed up against my skull. So he was like, that's the one thing that we need to do. It's called Chiari malformation. And so it's basically you just kind of cut a little, you know, hole in your skull so that your brain can kind of breathe and that prevents the headaches, which it did. But he still didn't know what this little spot that he saw was. He didn't know what that was. And so while he was doing the surgery, he ended up doing a biopsy on that little spot and it turned out to be a tumor and it turned out to be cancerous. So I got diagnosed in 2019. Yeah, April 2019, I got diagnosed. And the uh, tumor was so big and it was so kind of spread out that immediately he was just like, all right, we got to start six weeks of radiation and then we'll take it from there. I couldn't have surgery because of where the tumor was located. If I had a had surgery, I would went back to a vegetative state, which, you know, obviously that can't happen. So, <laughs> and they, they wouldn't let that happen. But uh, so he was like, we're gonna go into radiation. So I ended up doing radiation. Um, I did not take well to radiation the first week. I lost seven pounds. Um, I was, I lost my speech. I lost my ability to write. Uh, I think that was it. And I, yeah, I lost my appetite. So that was the first week. After that, I started adapting to it. I guess maybe, you know, the whole effect of, hey, you've never had radiation and now you're doing 45 minutes of it. That kind of just threw my brain off a little bit and my whole bodily function and so forth. But um, I started getting used to it a little bit more after that first week, my diet slowly came back. My speech slowly came back. I still have a little bit of a speech issue now. And my writing came back, which I still have a little bit of a writing issue. It's not as clear and uh, legible as it used to be. But anyway, I made, uh, went through uh, going through radiation and around week three of six that I had to do, uh, my church ended up doing a 5K gospel run. And I love to run. Um, I've done half marathons. My next bucket list is to do a, a, a full marathon, hopefully next year, maybe. Um, so I decided to jump into it. We'll see. Even if I have to walk, you know, let's just go out there and do it. And me and my wife went out there and we did the whole 5K uh, run. And I thought that was a humongous accomplishment for me for being in the middle of radiation, doing something like that. And so again, praises to God, uh, thanking him for that. Three weeks went through and I got stronger and stronger every single week. And then I finally got done after 30 rounds of radiation. I got done like around the end of June and I took a two months off and then I went into uh, six sessions of chemotherapy with each session being about a month long, uh, one day a week. And so that was, you know, kind of tough. But I, according to my nurse, they said I did better than what they thought I would be. And so because I felt good, I went back to work, uh, be, again, school counselor, and then I started back doing real estate. And so that's one of the things that I mean by like time management is that there were certain sessions of chemotherapy where I would be up there all day, eight hours. And so instead of me just sitting in there in the chair with a needle in my arm and IV and so forth and looking at mindless TV, 
Why not do some social media posts? Why not, you know, reach out to this buyer? Why not to schedule this open house? You know, something like that. Um, and like I said, the chemotherapy was one day a week. So I was able to still do open houses on Saturday and Sunday. I was able to still do a couple of showings. So again, time management was uh, key. And um, went through the chemotherapy, everything was going well. And then the pandemic hit. So instead of six, I ended up doing five. They cut it short because the pandemic and everything and my immune system was straight, you know, really compromised. Um, so they didn't want me coming into the hospital or anything like that. And ever since then, that was around, that, that was in 2020. Ever since then, I've been having MRIs every three months and the cancer's gone. So completely healed, God is good. Um, yeah, and so that's where we are right now. Right now I'm still in the uh, remission stage. So I go every six months right now to do the MRIs and see, you know, to make sure that nothing has come back, make sure that nothing spread that they might've missed or whatever. Um, and then, you know, they check on me, see how I'm doing. I still have a little bit of a side effects. My balance is not as good as it used to be. Um, I still have minor headaches that last about five seconds at the most. Um, and that's rare. That's maybe like one a day or something like that. And um, yeah, I just, I lost a lot of weight during that whole process that I have not been able to gain it all back, which, I mean, that really doesn't mean anything. Um, but just, you know, the side effects of it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, just, um, yeah, I was able to work, go back to work. I did not work during radiation. I could not work during radiation. One, it, the radiation center was too far from my job. And then two, I was not physically able to go in there and work. So I took that whole six weeks off, but I was able to work the entire time I was on chemotherapy. Yep. Wow. I was a little crazy because the chemotherapy uh, made my blood real thin and my immune system kind of low. And so I was extremely cold. I'm already a cold natured person. Like I get cold real easily. This didn't help at all. I mean, I remember before we started school, I think it was my third chemo session that we had been in when we started school. And we had like a little back to school bash outside. It was hot. Everyone was in shorts. Shirt, uh, short sleeve, everything like that. And I'm in a hoodie <laughs> with sweats on <laughs> out there in the blistering sun, the sun beating down. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's my, my health scare. Wow. I think that's, that should be at least very inspiring to people to hear. Um, not just you being such a warrior and overcoming that the way that you did, but what you actually were doing during that time as well. Like some people and to, to think, you know, they don't even have the mental strength to, you know, go out there and, uh, you know, accomplish certain things, you know, living a very, you know, you know, healthy life or like not having any health scares, nothing wrong with them. They just don't have the mental strength or capacity to go out there and do anything productive. Well, you, you know, you were just saying you're sitting in, in chemotherapy and still posting on social media reaching out to buyers and clients and um, just for for people to even think about that like I mean really kind of consider where you know if you're still complaining about you know your life right now you're complaining about you know oh I don't have the mental strength that you know the motivation to do this or do that I mean 
really there's no excuses, right? Because Cornelius, I don't, I don't know if you, you know, you would, you would say this or not, you know, about yourself, but there's, there's not anything different about, about you versus, you know, everybody else. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody, anybody can kind of accomplish the things that they, you know, overcome the, the challenges that, that you have. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. You definitely can. It's just like, you, uh, uh, again, mind shift, you know, going into chemotherapy and, having a positive attitude. You know, one thing that my nurse told me that um, uh, 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 set me apart from a lot of the other patients is that whenever I had a session, I always came in with a big smile. I greeted people. I knew not only my personal nurse for my chemotherapy, but anytime that she was out, she would bring someone in. I knew that person or I got to know that person rather um, and just had a positive attitude, joking around, you know, if I had to go to the restroom or go to the water fountain and I passed a couple of rooms, if I saw some person, hey, how you doing? You know, just kind of, kind of live and trying to live people up, um, you know, and just, I don't know, I feel like the more you smile, the more you be kind, the more you have a positive outlook on things, you feel better about yourself. And it actually does make a difference. It really does, you know, so. Yeah, that, that, and, that, and that was one lesson that I did learn from it, is that I always have tried to be been a, uh, a positive person, but going through that and just having a positive mindset, I honestly feel like that helped me a lot get through, you know, some of those dark times where, you know, I was like, why is this happening to me? I'm, the, I'm probably the most healthiest person anybody knows. I try to eat well. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I uh, exercise a lot. And so for me to just get this out of nowhere, and on top of that, the type of tumor that I had, or yeah, that I had, is a rare tumor in adults. The tumor that I had is mostly found in children under the age of 12. So explain how a 40-year-old man, <laughs> a 39-year-old man gets a tumor like that. You know, but again, you have to look at the bright side of it my spirituality helps a lot. So, you know, I just firmly, I had my little breakdown when I first got diagnosed, but then after that, I was like, all right, God, you're gonna get me through this. Let's go, let's get it, you know? And again, the mindset, just knowing that you're gonna beat it, knowing that you're gonna get through it, you can do it. Anybody that's um, going through something, you can do it. Don't let it stop you. Yeah. I, I love that you said that. I think it's super important. And what you said about being positive, right? You know, in this situation where most people would just, you know, sort of cowl under a, a cloud of darkness, you actually went out and um, brightened not just your own day, but, you know, other people's day as well. Because I'm yeah. sure, you know, not a lot of people in the hospital are celebrating it, you know, celebrating like an occasion or, you know, being on, on you know, the high of life or whatever. But, you know, you being out there, I'm sure you've, um, maybe you've, you've even gotten feedback from other people, but you, I'm sure you've, you know, made a lot of people's days, actually touched a lot of lives that in, in the same process and um, kind of helped you as well. Is that, is that something that you kind of realized that not just, um, uh, like not just, you know, staying productive during that, but also going out there and, uh, you know, sort of giving to other people and serving others from, from your heart. Is that something that, you know, you touched on a little bit of, but did you feel that that was kind of helping you through that every single day and actually helping you take control of your emotions and uh you know not letting the environment dictate things 
Yeah, so that was probably the first time that I actually realized that me helping people makes me feel good as well. Um, I've always had a, uh, a, a service attitude. Um, ironically, all of my jobs have been in the line of service. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love volunteering at food pantries. Um, you know, my fraternity does a uh, uh, Thanksgiving where we feed the homeless. And I was involved in that when I was up in Chicago a lot. Uh, food banks, um, a, a, a guy that I worked with used to go and deliver um, socks, sandwiches, you know, whatever it is, like once a month. I've always wanted to be a part of that. And I have been a part of it in, in some instances, um, but it made me feel well, but I never really like paid it attention. This time I actually paid it attention, like, if I found myself waving hi to somebody or, you know, being nice to the receptionist or something like that, and, hey, Mr. Camp, how you doing? And, you know, hey, how you doing? It's a great day. Even though it's snowing outside, it's still going to be a wonderful day. Even though it's negative five, you know, it's still going to be a wonderful day. And so just doing that, I took notice that it made me feel a lot better. And so I've actually started doing that a lot more. My wife got on me, uh, uh, got on to me about an email that I had sent. And, you know, I wanted her to proofread or whatnot, but she talked about how I, um, uh, my customer service or my verbiage could have been a, a lot more nicer. Um, I tend to be kind of uh, blunt and straightforward <laughs> to, uh, to whoever I'm sending the email to. So she got on to me about a couple of, of emails that I sent. And ever since then, which was about probably a year and a half, two years ago, I found myself trying to be a little bit more uh, nice, uh, be a little bit more kind, ask about how the person is doing, wishing them well, uh, trying to be a happy face. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do a, a happy smile in there, just trying to like relay energy through that particular email or through my conversation with someone, when I go running, I say, how you doing to whoever I'm passing? Just things like that, that I've noticed has increased ever since I was diagnosed and I went through that, you know, period in my life. So, yeah. and also I, I, I'm pretty sure you know who he is, uh, Kobe, Gary V. He's <laughs> always talking about kindness, always. And my wife, again, introduced me to who he was because I didn't know anything about him, but now I follow him and Again, I, I love his mindset where he talks about kindness. And actually, I have that in my email signature. Kindness always wins, whether in business or in life. So if you be kind yeah. to somebody, you're always winning. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I, I'm a big believer in that as well. And I, I got it from um, a different a different kind of influencer. I don't know if you heard of a Bob Proctor. But Bob oh. Proctor, yeah, Bob Proctor always talks about uh, the impression of increase, it giving oh, people okay. the impression of increase whenever you meet somebody or come across someone. That's exactly, you know, what I thought of when you were telling the, you know, telling your story here, you know, is that every time you come across somebody, you give them the impression of increase, right? You're, you're letting them feel a little bit better about their day. Maybe, you know, a smile here and there, or uh, how are you doing? I you know, hope you're having a nice day. You know, that yeah. can really turn somebody's day around, right? They could be mm -hmm. having the worst day you know, in that, you know, their morning's not right, you know, they, they woke up late, their, uh, you know, coffee's not brewing or whatever, they right. missed the train, missed the bus, right. but, you know, you, you know, you just being there, even as a certain, like, maybe as a stranger on the street or in the grocery store, 
just giving them a, a smile and saying, how are you doing? That could really change somebody's day or at least give them a bright spot during their, their day that they might be struggling with that, uh, that can help them change, you know, the rest of their, the rest of their day for the better. Yeah. So I think that's, um, that's nowadays, something super like, important. I feel like nowadays people are so on edge about a lot of things that you almost can't afford to be anything but nice because you never know what that person is going through. And so if you do something, whether it be honking a horn or, you know, whether it be you just kind of looked at them, but you didn't smile, you know, like what you looking at? Or I don't know what's going, what's something else that you can do, but it just might set that person off. And you never know how that person is going to react. You know, like I, I was, um, uh, where was this at? This was, I forgot, I, I, it was a story on LinkedIn and I try to be quick with it. A, a story that was on LinkedIn, a post, a guy was driving and he was, uh, he was being tailed by someone and he didn't do anything. He just kind of just was driving at his speed. He didn't slow down. He didn't pump the brakes or anything like that. He didn't flip the guy a finger or nothing. After like five or 10 minutes, I think he said, he decided to pull over. The guy goes to pass him. And as he passes him, he just pulls out a gun and was almost about to shoot him. He didn't do anything wrong. He's driving the speed limit, but because he's driving, you know, slow uh, in the other person's eyes, he decides to go and pull a gun out. Like you just never know what people are going through and what's going to set them off. So yeah, I just, I just try to be kind to, <laughs> yeah, I know that's the same thought. Yeah, your your facial expression is the same thing that I had. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that is that something that you, you kind of realize when you're, you know, kind of, I don't know if you've ever like not been this way because it seemed like you always have. And maybe just because I've, you know, the time that I've known you, that's just the person you've been. Uh, maybe like when you were younger, it was a, like a different story and you have to learn that, but you know, why, why is it do you think that people are so on edge? And do you think that, you know, you being nice and you actually giving of service, does that make a difference in your, in your own life? Not, not just like in other people, but does it, is that what actually separates it? Is that, you know, what gets people off of edge yeah. um, is, you know, <laughs> off of edge, but is that, you know, you being of service to somebody else, does that really actually help? I believe that it does. Yeah. I, I really believe that it does. Um, like I said, I noticed, like I've always been like this, always been willing to serve people, always been willing to help someone out, always been willing to, you know, do whatever. But like I said, I noticed this during the, my chemotherapy sessions. And I'm, ever since then, I've been a firm believer that if you just be nice to somebody, you can automatically make yourself feel better about what you're going through. You know what I mean? Like, like that's one of the things that I've noticed about being um, uh, being a school counselor. In Chicago, I was a school counselor in middle school. So I really didn't deal with much. Uh, you know, the kids, they kind of like not really knowing. They, they don't understand what anxiety is. They don't understand what it is to feel anxious. Some of them do, but most of them don't. But now that I'm in high school, that's the main thing that I deal with as far as the kids, you know, um, being anxious about being in school. 
because these kids have had two years and they're you know on a computer. They're not in the school building. And so they get anxious about going back into the school building. They get anxious about what's going on at home and their parents might be going through something then they're taking it out on their kids. Their parents might not be able to get a job. Their parents might've lost their you know, uh, uh, house. Uh, you know, uh, one student that I was talking to, their mom was renting the house and the landlord sold the house. The new landlord, you know, uh, uh, cut the lease. So now this kid is homeless, you know, and it's just, everyone is anxious about everything. And so again, you never know what's going on with certain, with people. So keep the peace, keep strife out of your life. Be kind to someone because there's always someone that's being, that's doing better than you, but then there's always someone that's doing a lot worse than you are. And so that's really what I feel like life it should be about is to pick people up. You don't have to hand feed them or anything like that, but pick them up, give them a little help. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you can't make it through this world without help. You can't. I, I just, I refuse to believe that. <laughs> yeah. No matter how hard you work, no matter, you know, how, you know, you say you came from the slums, you projects, whatever, you had to have some help some way and somehow from somebody. So, yeah. Wow, I, I really do think that's that's such an important part of the uh, the human experience. Really, just being being alive and you know not just getting help, but also like what you're doing now, paying it forward to other mm-hmm. people as well. And that's that's you know you you earn so you can you can learn so you can you can return. Essentially, that's something that I've heard uh, in the past. I like but, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it too. So yeah, you know, you yeah, always so you I think. Return. Yep. I think you always want to, um, you always want to pay it forward. So that's, that's something. Um, And um, just one last thing that I think uh, because of the position that you're in as a, as a high school counselor or a school counselor. um, And, you know, because I kind of just came from, just came out of that world. So I know a little bit about what's going on, maybe a little bit more in touch than people who, you know, not have been in high school for like 10, 20, 50, you know, 40 years. So I think you're exactly right on that. A lot of high school students and maybe even now I'm not sure on this, you know, it might even be earlier where they have a lot of anxiety and it's, it's strong. And it, it really, is, it shouldn't be that strong, that, that, that level of anxiety within, you know, you know, teenagers, high school kids, now even maybe middle school kids. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, you helping the, the, the kids in your school and, um, you know, what is exactly, you know, your strategy when it comes to, or not strategy, but like, how are you able to kind of help them deal with that? Or what's the best way for somebody who's, younger or somebody who might have kids who are in that age who you know have these anxieties and uh, and how do you cope with that and deal with that and actually um not necessarily you know completely eliminate it from their lives but like how do you deal and cope with that and how are you helping you know the kids that you're working with cope and and deal with that as well because i think that maybe it's because i come from you know i'm younger so i just came out of that world but i think that's a a really important part of uh, you know some some issues a really important issue that i'm seeing yeah. Um, the, the one thing that I have found to be most effective uh, when talking with kids is to one, have an open mindset of, you know, just being open, giving empathy to them, and then also uh, believing in them, like speaking affirmations to them, you know, throughout the whole conversation and definitely before you leave them. 
sometimes a lot of my kids, they just want a listening ear because, you know, they don't get that at home, unfortunately. Um, they don't necessarily want advice, but they want a little bit of guidance because a lot of kids, you know, when they get into high school, they start feeling that sense of independency. So they want to keep that. And so that's where, you know, just a little bit of guidance uh, towards them. And then the last thing is, is that um, you know, just believing in them, you know, telling this, this young lady who says um, that I, I want to work in a factory. Why do you want to work in a factory? Because that's all, you know, that's all I want to do. I, that's all I can do. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's all you can do? No, no, no. I've seen you do hair. You have told me that you do hair for a lot of your friends. So why don't you go into that business? They don't know, you know, what the possibilities are out there and they don't have anyone to tell them that, hey, you can do, uh, you can own your own hair salon. You can have a YouTube channel with, you know, over a hundred thousand followers and make money off YouTube. You can uh, become a computer engineer. You can become a veterinarian. You can become a sports player, you know? You can go to college. Well, I can't afford the college. Well, this is what we're gonna do, okay? You don't have to worry about affording it. This is the route you're gonna take and I'm gonna help you do it. And I don't know, you know, it's just the kids that when you say stuff to them, you can just see like their face kind of light up. Almost like, wow, nobody ever told me that. Or wow, I didn't know that I could do this route and still end up in college or you know, really, do you think that um, uh, that I could be successful, even though I might have gotten held back in 10th grade or I might have gotten held back in the sixth grade, you know, something like that. Just those are the things that I've found out to be the most effective is having an open mind to uh, whatever the person has to talk about, showing the empathy towards them and then speaking affirmations over them as well. I'm like we got like we talked about earlier, social media is so it can be so dark when you don't use it for the purpose and teenagers don't use it for the purpose of the intent. And so you get a whole lot of anger, you know, people talking about the other person on social media, um, people posting pictures on social media and this person seeing it or um, you know, uh, I deal with a lot of people body shame, uh, being body shame on social media, having to deal with, I don't look like her or I don't look like him. And, you know, my, it's just, yeah, it's just social media, you know, it has a dark space. And so that creates a whole lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. A lot of, uh, most of the fights that I deal with at my school are over social media back and forth. You know, it, it's nothing to do with school. <laughs> Nothing to do with, you know, you bump me in the hallway or anything like that is what this person said on social media or in the DMs or whatever that, you know, they want to call it. It's just, it goes, yeah, yeah. So having, a, back to what I was saying, having an open mind and um, speaking affirmations, positive affirmations over them can go a long way with the student. Not to say that it works all the time, but it goes a long way with the student. And they might not be receptive now but eventually they'll remember. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's so true when it comes to, you know, how the mind works, right? 
conscious mind, subconscious mind, and with the affirmations and the repetition of it, you might not realize it consciously, but it's imprinted in their subconscious mind that they're able to, you know, essentially become that person because that's really what what controls, you know, how we work and how 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 we take actions, right? What actions that we actually take, but. I mean, I love that we're kind of expanding on this and I don't want to keep you for too long because I know, you know, uh, yeah, it's a little bit later later for, for you on the East Coast here right now at the time we're recording. But um, do you think, you know, just kids or teenagers, they put too much pressure on themselves? Because is, is that, do you, do you think that's? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think that they put way too, they put too much pressure on themselves and they also get too much pressure put on them. Um, you know, there was one kid that I had up in Chicago and he was in the seventh grade, I think. And he had gotten held back some year before seventh grade, but in seventh grade, instead of him having a wonderful, you know, uh, uh, fun playing around with his friends type childhood growing up, you know, playing kickball and so forth. He got to go home and take care of his one, two, three, four brothers and sisters that he had because the mom and the dad, you know, wasn't at home or was out doing something. They weren't working. They weren't working two or three jobs to try to keep, you know, they was out doing other stuff that you ain't supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be at home taking care of your kids. That's when I feel like responsibility and anxiety gets put on them as far as kids bringing the anxiety to themselves yeah that comes from social media i honestly honestly believe that i honestly believe that that dark side of social media causes a lot of anxiety on today's youth yep yeah i think so as well i mean i kind of came from that world so i've seen mm -hmm. it i've experienced it as well so i'm really glad that you know i'm kind of out of it now yeah and uh <laughs> it's it's almost like such a weird experience where I felt so much more stressed while I was like in school and the stakes were supposedly lower or now like I'm kind of like in, in the real world I'm dealing with like real right. people and their and their families and, and, and whatever you know right. running a team of agents and uh, you know right. stakes are supposed to be higher but I'm a I'm a lot more relaxed I'm a lot more comfortable and uh, not as much anxiety which is um it, it, it's kind of weird to, to think yeah. about but it's just uh kind of the state, like you said, you know, the social media and mm -hmm. putting pressure and the, the peer, the peer pressure, some of it yeah. comes from, from that as well. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I would definitely love to kind of expand more on this, but I don't, I don't want to take up, you know, too much of your time and mm -hmm. too much of the, uh, the, the audience's time. So I think what we would do is that I'd love to have you back on the show sometime and just, sure. uh, and uh, expand on this because, because of your background and experience, because it's something I talk a lot about, you know, with my family as well. And um, just the the friends that I know and people that 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 uh, are in my MRI circle as well. So um, I think it's an important important topic to talk about. I'm sure you agree with this because that's that's where uh, the foundation is set for for the rest of their life. And you see people yeah. in their 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, not happy, not content. Well, a lot of it started when you were, you know, like you say, like in the seventh grade, you know, yeah. high school. Yeah. And uh, that's that's where uh, where it led. So yeah. Um, so for, for those people that um, out there listening to this podcast um, that want to reach out to you, Cornelius, whether if it's, you know, to look at your social media, I know we didn't touch too much on it, but you have an awesome YouTube channel for new agents. Um, I think everybody should look at it, um, especially if you're starting or if you're a part-time agent. 
um, you know, what's the best ways to, to reach you? And I'll, I'll leave your uh, information in the show notes below, but just for people listening, what's the best ways to reach you and how can people find you online? Okay, cool. Um, so first and foremost, my YouTube channel, you can always check out, especially if you're a new agent, um, you can always check out tips there. Um, I'll have a couple of videos that, you know, will help you, like I mentioned earlier, help you find success as a part-time agent. And, and especially if you're starting out kind of, you know, I, my videos kind of guide you to some, through some things as far as what to do with your business, um, how to market yourself. Uh, we talked about getting a mentor, things like that. So I have a couple of videos about that, but the uh, YouTube channel is Clueless Realtor. All you have to do is go to YouTube, search Clueless Realtor, and then you can see the videos that I've made. Um, as far as Facebook is concerned, you want to um, look up CC Realty, the number two. Um, that's uh, my, my Facebook. Cornelius Camp is uh, my LinkedIn. And on Instagram, you can uh, find me at Clueless Realtor on Instagram, or you can also find me at CC Realty. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's no C Camp Realty. Sorry, C Camp 2. Sorry about that. C Camp 2 on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And um, Cece, uh, uh, if you're an agent, you can join my Facebook group, Everything Real Estate, as well. Yep, awesome. And no worries about the uh, the mishap there. I'll just I'll put the information in the show notes below. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, whether if you're listening to this on a, on an audio platform, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you might be listening to this or watching the video on, on YouTube uh, as well, um, you know, give it a like, share, subscribe. And if you got any questions. Any comments for uh, Cornelius, uh, obviously leave it down in the comments below. Make sure you're, you're sharing this because this is a lot, of a lot of good information, in my opinion, for if you know somebody that can really benefit from this, make sure you share this with them. You can, like Cornelius are just talking about, make somebody's day and uh, come from a position of service so that you actually feel uh, more fulfilled in your life as well. And make sure to turn on your, your notifications for um, your future episodes. But once again, Thank you so much, Cornelius, for uh, taking time out of your your busy schedule to share your story. Um, like I was mentioning before, really important stuff, I think, um, can change and uh, help a lot of people um, as sure. well. So really, thank you. Sure. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem, man. The pleasure is mine. Um, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, you know, helping out a friend, helping to, you know, help him start his business, his podcast business, and <laughs> thank you know, you. hopefully it can grow and be successful. Yep. And anytime, you know, you want me uh, back, I'd be more than happy, more than happy to come back. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. I think I definitely will because um, there's a wealth of knowledge there in that, um, you know, in, in you. So uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're still listening, um, make sure to turn that, uh, turn that notifications on for the next episode and, um, you know, for any future, future news or uh, updates as well. But thank you guys so much for tuning in here today. We'll be back again. Uh, shortly uh, for the uh, next episode with another special guest uh, for you guys. But thank you again for uh, listening and tuning in. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Free Life Agents Podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.freelifeagents.com. We'll see you next time.